Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh Podcast. This is episode 36. I'm pretty sure that this, that that is the right number. I'm getting, I'm getting lost in, uh, in all the episodes, but, but thanks for joining us. This is the next episode and uh, I'm excited that you are here with us. And I just want to say thanks to all of the people who have come on so far and shared their soul story. And last week we got to hear some stories from the farm with my mom who grew up on several farms in Illinois and then in Iowa. And my a shout out to my Uncle Dave and my Aunt Linda who own the, the farm that my grandpa uh, had many years ago. And just, I always love going out there and just just being there. I was raised in, in not quite the city, but you know, more of a suburban Southern California life. And so just being out there in nature is always just so cool. And hearing stories, just basic things of how people used to live and, and uh, even the simplicity of life back then. I promise I will have uh, my mom back. I'll have to get injured in another way so that she will feel guilty or not guilty, but pity, have pity on me and uh, uh, see if I can work that kind of mom uh, pity and see if I can get her back on, but also love to get uh, even some, some of my uh, aunts and uncles on. Um, and also more, more, more and more soul stories to come as I have communicated before how much I treasure, I value people and their stories. And so more of those to come. I, I think all of our stories are so unique. We have so much to offer each other in examples, but also just there is a connection that happens deep within and at the soul level when we share our stories, when we share our lives, our moments with each other. And I believe it is powerful. And so again, more to come and, and even having people, uh, guests return who have shared before. But today I want to talk about this idea of hurry sickness. And I, I take that phrase from uh, Dr. John Ortberg, who I really had the, the honor of, of interacting with and, and recording some classes with uh, a little while ago. He was a good friend of Dallas Willard. In fact, I, uh, of all the people that I have known or had the privilege of coming in contact with, I think he probably knew uh, Dallas longer than others. And so he, you know, just interacting with uh, Dr. Ortberg and the, I could just sense the same type of spirit that I imagine that Dallas Willard have. I've uh, had, I, I've talked about him many times before and Dallas Willard has just been so instrumental in helping people to understand really the, the, what a disciple of Jesus looks like, kind of the way the way of Jesus, the way of discipleship, and has added so much to the spiritual formation concept. And so many people are indebted to him. So many uh, people have written uh, and gone on to pursue and share about the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices, discipleship, and spiritual formation as a result of people like uh, Dallas Willard, but also people like Richard Foster, uh, Henry Nowen, and others. But uh, Dallas Willard in particular is, is unique, is special to me. Um, just be, I didn't have the chance to meet him, unfortunately, before he passed several years ago. But um, I, I had really the opportunity to learn from people who had been with him. 
And uh, so I just, I resonate deeply with uh, uh, Dallas Willard. And so Dr. John Ortberg, uh, as he was sharing, he, he talked about this idea of hurry sickness. And so again, I'm indebted to him for what he shared about this. And it really resonated with me in particular and the journey that I have been on in understanding how much we get caught up in the, the busyness of life, the trappings of life, and just hurry hurry worry and uh, I think the other part of that hurry worry and haste or hurry worry and waste or something like that there's a whole there's a whole like rhyme um, that is connected to that 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 concept and I resonate with that because I am a worrier I have a chronic anxiety that I've had since I was a, a kid and uh, I am of the type to uh, to analyze and think things through and try to creatively come up with a problem and are a pro not a problem. I do cause problems, uh, but not intentionally, but try to come up with a solution to problems. It's just the way my mind works. My mind tends to grip something until I can think it through and resolve it and understand it and try to solve it and, and, um, and then has a hard time of letting it go, although I've learned a whole lot more to be able to just let go. I, I believe I've gotten better in that but for me that's just the, the positive aspect of my personality and temperament and the and even my environment and and who i am the positive of that is that i i like to analyze and think and and reflect and again try to come to solutions and and try to understand um but at the the negative part of that and i think that's where probably the 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 the, the fleshy part the part that uh is just that part of the the weaker part of my my fallen nature then struggles with the worry over things and getting things done and making sure that they're done and get done and on time i hate being late i hate turning in things late i um you know i'm very conscious of time i try to be respectful of other people's time and not um not take too much of their time time is a big thing for me and so uh those are all the things that are are you know present in my mind as I as I journey through life but those are also the things that over the last few years that I have been challenged with the most and the Lord has really helped me to work through and to uh, has encouraged me to rethink and process and attempt to let go of in a healthy way to let go of the need for certainty to let go of the need for control, to try to not control others, but to control outcomes. So if I can think a problem through enough, maybe I can control the outcome of a situation and resolve it. And so I will think ahead about the future. Well, what is this going to look like? And what is this potential outcome? And how can I mitigate all of these uh, potential potential problems and how can I what is the best path forward here there here's what I need to do what is the best way to move forward with that well as you can tell that's both a blessing and a curse and the curse part is that I want to be able to manage every outcome and mitigate problems and create the the path of you know least resistance and and try to, uh, to to manage my situation. Again, nothing wrong with that, except we live in a fallen, broken world where things cannot be controlled and managed. And as much as we might try, and as much as we plan and think and, and have every possible scenario thought through, there will always be the unexpected things that we cannot control. 
always. The more and, and the longer we live and the more we face reality, and I say face reality because some of us like to stay in uh, an attitude of, of uh, in a state of denial, probably a coping mechanism to, to try to survive life. But the more we understand reality, the more I think we are ready to or willing to say, uh, I can't control every outcome. I, I, there's just no way. Life is too big. There are too many variables. And there is only so much I can do. Now, obviously, as Christians, uh, for those of us who have uh, surrendered our, our life to Christ and have committed to following him, we understand that that we are imbued with, with power, um, not a power to control and manipulate, but that Christ and the Holy Spirit residing in us that that we do have unique access to to the Father and prayer and and operating in His will. But again, the goal there is not to control every possible outcome. The the it is not to manage everything and and make sure that we have everything under our control. The longer we live and the more we are ready to face reality, hopefully, the more we understand that there's so much that is outside of our control. Not in a fatalistic way, but in a way that trusts God and that is not worried, that is not caught up in the worry and the stress of life. The, the hurry sickness idea, and I, you know, John Ortberg kind of describes this very well, this idea that, that Jesus reflected the opposite of that. He, he walked through life and managed life and ministered to people in a way that reflected his lack of being caught up in hurry and being hurried and being rushed. I mean, can you imagine being Jesus and all the responsibilities that were on him and all the people that were pulling on him, needing something from him? demanding something from him, the pressures that awaited him of bearing the sin of the world and the pressure of the impending cross and crucifixion. We, we tend to minimize that at times and we say, well, he was God so he could handle it. Yes, but the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, uh, though he was God, he was also human like us and he, he suffered and was tempted in every way that we are, which means he felt pressure. He felt pain. He wasn't looking forward to the cross as the, the, the story of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane tells us. He was not looking forward to it. He was in such agony that he was sweating drops of blood. I mean, he was in deep, deep, uh, I, 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 I don't want to say distress, but he was feeling the weight of everything. He was human just as much as he was divine. And to say that he wasn't rushing about and hurrying about and worried and feeling pressured and stressed just because he was God really does minimize and it takes away his being able to be an example for us. If that is all, you know, if he was divine and never felt anything, then he can't truly be an example for us. But he is an example of the unhurried life 
He is an example of living in a constant state of peace and abiding in God's presence because he was both human and divine. And in, 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 uh, in one of the, the theologies that, that I ascribe to, the, the idea that Jesus was both fully human and fully God, fully man, fully divine. And so he experienced the pain and the suffering and the pressure. Remember when John the Baptist, when he got the news and John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin. Remember when John, Jesus heard the news about John the Baptist, he got into a boat with his disciples and he said, let's, let's get away. Let's get away from the crowds. He was upset. He was, he was sad. And he wanted to get away from the crowd so that he could be alone. Now, of course, the crowds followed him and he chose in that moment to respond by going and ministering to them. But he initially tried to get away because it was so much. I remember when Lazarus, his friend, died and he went to the tomb of Lazarus. And he saw the people, the friends and the family weeping at the tomb. He was broken over it. And it says, you know, the sh shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He felt the pain of others. He felt the heaviness of others. He was grieved over things. He was grieved over the, this, the, uh, the state of, you know, he goes up uh, uh, in preparation for the, the cross. He, he goes up to Jerusalem and he looks out over it and he says, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you together like a, like a hen is gathering its chicks together and protect you and comfort you, but you would not have it. Essentially grieving over the lost state of uh, the Jewish people who would not accept him as the Messiah, Jesus suffered. He, he grieved. He felt the burden and the pressure of life. But he lived an unhurried life. You and I wrestle with this. We feel the pressure of others, our spouses, our, our kids, our friends, our ministry, we feel the pressure and it, it's so heavy upon us. The text messages, the emails, the phone calls, um, the demands, the pressures to get things done, the, the time frames, the, uh, the schedules, the due dates, we are pressured by that. And we feel the weight of that. And Dr. Archibald Hart, a, uh, a Christian psychologist who uh, was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, he wrote a book called The Anxiety Cure. And his, his premise is that, you know, one of, well, the reason, in his opinion, for the state of our anxiety and depression in the world today is that we are living lives under such stress we're at adrenaline depletion. And uh, he makes this statement. Um, he says, you know, our bodies were designed to move at the, at the speed of like a camel. Now camels can move pretty fast. I think he uses the, 
I think he uses the camel. He may have used a slower animal like a turtle, but I don't think so. I think it was like a camel. Um, our bodies were designed to move at the speed of like a, a camel, but we are operating today at the speed of a cheetah. Our bodies were never designed to move at such a fast pace, constantly on the rush, constantly on the move, constantly rushing and hurrying. And um, I, I know for me that if I'm, I'm tired in the middle of the day, um, you know, it's not like I can go and, and, and take a nap, although I wish I could. But if I'm tired, um, what do I do? I go and I get another cup of coffee because I've got to stay awake. I've got deadlines to meet. I've got things to do. And, um, and then that perpetuates a cycle of, especially if I'm drinking coffee late, then it's hard to get to sleep at night and then I'm not getting enough sleep. And, and so it's this constant battle of, of stress and pressure and even our vacations, when we quote, take a vacation, we're not really taking a vacation. We go off and we're like at the speed again of a cheetah. We, we go to places maybe we've never been to before. And so we try to soak it all up and we're busy. As soon as our feet hit the ground, we're gone. And vacation, our, our vacations are not really rest. We don't, I don't think, I mean, very few of us have built in and understand how to live out and embody a true Sabbath rest especially if we're in ministry our sabbath is taken up with ministry and then if we do have a day off that day off is just really trying to replenish all of the adrenaline we've kicked out and um there is no space to rest we're operating at the speed of cheetahs we are living in a very hurried and rushed lifestyle and so no wonder we are struggling. No wonder we are constantly living without margin. Uh, Dr. Swenson, I can't remember his first name. I think it might be Richard. He wrote a book called Margin or Margins, talking about how much we we don't allow margin, room in our day or lives, a space for, for problems, challenges. Um, we go from morning till night without a margin, without margin in that day for problems or unexpected things or even rest. We do that in every way with our finances, with our time, with our health. We are living in a hurried and rushed lifestyle and it is absolutely killing us the diseases especially in the west the 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 uh, the killers so to speak of of um for so many of us heart attack stress stress related illnesses strokes and other things we are living at such a fast-paced life and yet that is not the life that Jesus lived and it is not the life that Jesus has called us to. If Jesus, with the weight of the world and the pressures that were around him, did not rush from one thing to the next, 
did not attempt to heal every sickness and resolve every problem, then why should we attempt to do that? If Jesus did not heal every sickness and resolve every problem and fix every situation, why do we think that we are called to try to fix every problem and minister to every person? And why are we attempting to do what even Jesus did not? Why are we attempting to, to do God's work uh, for him? Why are we attempting to do even what Jesus did not? It is true that Jesus tells us in the scripture that you know, greater things than even what he did, we will do. But why do we assume that we are responsible for the world? Why do we assume that if we don't fix every problem, minister to every person, save every soul, that God is going to be disappointed us or that we, that we have lost, um, that we have failed? We carry this weight on us that essentially believes that if we don't resolve it, no one else will, that, that God is depending upon us to fix the world. He is not. He is not depending upon us to resolve every crisis, save every soul, fix every problem, minister to every person, figure everything out, get everything right, be perfect. He's not. The way of Jesus is the unhurried life. The way of Jesus is a life of abiding in God's presence. And first and foremost, focusing on Christ, focusing on God and his work in us. And then as we go, ministering to others as he leads us. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what's so important about that passage of scripture is that, you know, at times I think we've, we've, I know that we've misunderstood it. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, we have this idea that we have to, um, uh, that we're all called to just kind of leave everything and go to every situation, every context and like leave our lives and go and save people. But that word in the Greek, go, that, that verb is actually, uh, and I'm not sure the correct, um, uh, the correct tense, but it is, uh, it, the root of it is, it really means as you go. As you go. 
not go drop everything and go and try to save every person leave your life and go it is as you go meaning as you live as you work as you um as you raise a family make disciples not all of us are called to full-time vocational ministry not all of us are called to be missionaries not all of us are called to to drop our lives and go to other parts of the world and and just focus on on kind of a ministry context but all of us are called to make disciples meaning we are called to invite people into the way of Jesus the unhurried life and the idea is that it's as we live as we grow as we go to school as we get married as we raise kids as we live our lives as we go from day to day we are to make disciples it's to be a part of our life of our daily lifestyle that as we live and follow Jesus that as we focus on Christ and living for him that as we focus on loving God with all of our heart soul strength and mind that we are then able in that transformation process to love our neighbor as ourself as we live the weight of the world is not on us god does not expect us to carry the weight of the world he expects us to live for him and to love others as we live for him he expects us to grow in our spiritual walk with him and then to live and walk in step with the spirit as paul tells us in galatians 5 and as we live and walk and move we disciple others this is the way of jesus and if you watch if you watch or you read and and reflect upon the gospels and how jesus lived that's how he did it as he moved as he lived as he as he journeyed and traveled around as he moved and lived he ministered to others he wasn't rushing from place to place trying to again fix everything and, and trying to meet a certain timetable in fact um, there are several examples that I'll I'll talk about in a in a future uh, uh, episode part two of this where Jesus in because of of what we would say is a delay people are challenged by that delay and and even die there's two examples of that where Jesus doesn't arrive in time and people die and then people are upset and of course he raises them back to life these people that died um, but Jesus didn't rush from place to place he lived an unhurried life 
constantly walking in step and abiding in the presence of God and then focusing as he lived, as he moved on the needs of others as he could. Can I just encourage you, and it, it's a constant challenge even to myself, can I invite you into that way of Jesus, that life of Jesus that is unhurried? All of us struggle with some type of hurry sickness and it is depleting our souls. It is depleting our lives. Can I invite you even right now to pause And just to be present right here, right now with God. Now, if you're driving, please don't pause. Um, if you're doing something that involves heavy machinery, don't pause. But if you can, wherever you are, just pause. And remind yourself that God is not expecting you to save the world. He is expecting you to love him and love others. Can I invite you and encourage you to enter into that peace, enter into that rest, as, as the writer of Hebrews talks about, entering into that Sabbath rest and inviting the Holy Spirit to help you to slow down and tune in to what God is doing in your life, to surrendering the concerns and the cares and the stress. And we all have it, and it's not like it'll go away. It will always be there. But to surrender that on a daily basis, to surrender those stresses and cares and concerns and challenges every day, As the scripture tells us that we are to cast, I believe it's Peter in his epistles, to cast our cares upon Christ, upon Jesus, because he cares for us. And to daily surrender those stresses and those worries and those fears to Jesus. And to lay them at his feet and leave them there. And allow him to guide and lead you every step of the way. We are not to live a life of, uh, of uh, you know, obliviousness or denial. We have to live in the real world. Reality is reality. There are problems that we need to address. We, we, we you know, denial is a whole other issue that, that we struggle with. We don't want to deal with reality, so we deny it, and we don't take care of the things that we need to do. That's not what we're talking about here. But as we walk with Jesus, as Paul tells us in Galatians 5, we, we, if we are to uh, live by the Spirit, we are to walk in step or keep in step with the Spirit. And as we do that, as we keep in step with the Spirit, as he journeys with us, we with, we with the Holy Spirit and we with Jesus, he will guide our steps. We will live in reality. We will live with the tension of the challenges and the pressures that we are facing. But we will also 
find ourselves abiding in that peace that does not allow ourselves to get caught up in the frust- the stress of it. We are faced with, we, we understand, and we realize the stress. But there, it, the peace that is possible that comes alongside that to say, I can have peace in the middle of that stress. I can have peace in the middle of that storm. I'm not denying that the storm exists, and I am not denying that I may have to do something in the middle of that storm, but I am also resting in and abiding in the peace that comes with walking with Jesus. I want to invite you into that and invite all of us into that rest. Hurry sickness is destroying our lives. Take some time, pause even now to surrender those cares and those concerns to make a commitment to surrender those concerns and to find ways to pause and let go and journey with Jesus. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of of Hurry Sickness and the Soul. My prayer for you and all of us is that we find a way to live the unhurried life as we walk with Jesus. Hope you have a great, great week, and I will 